When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to The Economist Asks. I'm Anne McElvoy. And today we're remembering John McCain, the rock rib senator from Arizona and Republican thorn in President Trump's flesh, who died this week. We're looking at his legacy and the impact of his stinging final words on the Trump administration. McCain had one of the most riveting biographies in modern U.S. politics. He chaired the powerful Armed Services Committee. He argued for muscular security policies and defended military interventions, deriding Trump for cozying up to a tyrant in his dealings with Vladimir Putin. His extraordinary personal bravery, five years in Vietnamese captivity and lifelong physical scars, lent personal valor to his beliefs. His natural home was the Reaganite right of the Republican Party, and there were two ill-fated runs for the presidency, the first for the nomination against George W. Bush in 2004, where he lost in the primaries and tepidly endorsed the then Governor Bush. Could you characterize the degree to which you're, you're giving your endorsement? Your answer suggested this is sort of like a get it out of the way, take the medicine now sort of thing. Are you enthusiastic about this? I, I think your take the medicine now is probably a good description. <laughs> and secondly, in the presidential race against Barack Obama in 2008, when he diffused criticism of his opponent on grounds of race. I got to ask you a question. I do not uh, believe in, I can't trust Obama. I, I have read about him, and he's not, he's not, he's a, um, he's an Arab. He is not. No? No, ma'am. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. He's, a, he's, a, he's a decent family man, citizen, that I just happen to have disagreements with on, on fundamental issues, and that's what this campaign is all about. He's not. Thank you. Thank you. But McCain is best remembered as a bipartisan on Capitol Hill, and in his concession speech on election night, he urged unity. Senator Obama and I have had and argued our differences and he has prevailed. No doubt many of those differences remain. These are difficult times for our country. And I pledge to him tonight to do all in my power to help him lead us through the many challenges we face. I urge all Americans I urge all Americans who supported me to join me in not just congratulating him but offering our next president our goodwill and earnest effort to find ways to come together. Although McCain reluctantly endorsed Trump as Republican candidate in 2016, he became more vociferous in his criticism of the president, rising from his sickbed to vote against the repeal of Obamacare, with much theatre in the Senate. No. 
and he penned a final speech encouraging Americans to aspire beyond the Trump era. It was delivered posthumously by his former presidential campaign manager, Rick Davis, at a news conference in Phoenix, Arizona. Fellow Americans, that association has meant more to me than any other. I lived and died a proud American. We are citizens of the world's <clears throat> greatest republic, a nation of ideals, not blood and soil. We are blessed and are a blessing to humanity when we uphold and advance those ideals at home and in the world. <clears throat> but we have always had so much more in common with each other than in disagreement. If only we remember that and give each other the benefit of the presumption that we all love our country, we will get through these challenging times. We will come through them stronger than before. We always do. Farewell, fellow Americans. God bless you, and God bless America. John McCain gave The Economist Asks one of his last radio interviews in April last year, shortly before his fatal brain tumour was diagnosed. I talked to him in between some key votes in the Senate and asked him if at that time he thought the bipartisanship battle had been lost, if politics was different in the US and if something had changed. I feel the partisanship is at an all-time high. The anger and bitterness that characterize the results of the last presidential election has been attenuated and affected here. McCain was strongly critical of the Bush administration's record on terror after 9-11, but he remained a strong advocate of military intervention, most recently on the side of Syrian opponents of Bashar al-Assad. Well, one thing that's at stake, which is of uh, immense value to me, is a moral high ground uh, for all of the last century, which was called the American century, we stood up for people who were struggling for freedom and democracy and condemned and took what action we could when their atrocities took place. And so we've lost credibility and we lost an enormous amount of that under Barack Obama, who decided that leading from behind was the role for America. Uh, so what's at stake, what, is, what has happened here, is we've lost our moral authority, the shining city on the hill. And we have become transactional, and we have failed to live up to our ideals and our goals for all human beings. Uh, our declaration that all men, all, are created equal, didn't just say Americans, endowed with certain inalienable rights. So we've lost that moral high ground. So I want to make one thing clear. I'm not advocating sending the Marines to every brush fire. I am saying that we need to, to stake out a ground and a position of, of the United States in the world that was best articulated by Ronald Reagan, who was once described by Margaret Thatcher that he won the Cold War without firing a shot. So how were his relations then with President Trump? I asked a couple of times, and the flash of McCain's fire came back at me. There's no doubt that what you keep getting at with these almost repeated questions is, is he mercurial? No. Is he, yes. Is he predictable? No. And do we want him to 
uh, do tweets about Arnold Schwarzenegger's ratings? No. Uh, so uh, I'm not defending him and this tweet storms that seems to emanate early at the early hours of the morning. But I do say that he, that the people that are around him, I believe he respects them, and I believe he will respect their advice and judgment. I was going to try and, and not... And, and he has a hell of a mess of the last eight years to clean up. I'm sometimes intrigued at all of this, this criticism about Donald Trump when we've just had the worst eight years as far as national security is concerned uh, since the 1930s. I was going to try, I hope not to, repeat the question, <laughs> okay. which is a fair, right. no a fair comeback on, no on Her Majesty's Press here. Uh, but this, the smartest thing, to, to ask you what you thought the smartest thing and the dumbest thing was that Donald Trump had done, I guess we could say smart. I think you feel that you've kind of answered talking about his team. Uh, but by all means, smartest and dumbest things he's done. Oh, I don't know. I think the tweeting is not smart because I think it... it, 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 it it diverts attention onto issues that are not presidential. For example, criticizing Arnold Schwarzenegger, that, that's a waste of his time and ours. Uh, so I would say that tweeting is, is, although it certainly helped him in his presidential campaign, I certainly concede that. Uh, he said he wouldn't be president without social media, so maybe he yeah, feels maybe. he gained I think by that's it. entirely possible. I think it's entirely possible. President Trump did tweet condolences on McCain's death, albeit cursorily. So what do some senior figures on either side of the partisan divide make of Senator McCain's legacy and his challenge to Donald Trump? Rick Wilson is author of a best-selling book entitled Everything Trump Touches Dies. A Republican strategist gets real about the worst president ever. I think a lot of the reason Trump is irritated by McCain is that... John McCain represented an awful lot of what Donald Trump will never be and and has never been. John McCain was a man who exhibited physical courage. He was a man who served his country in combat. He was a man who spoke the truth, and he was a man who was able to take moments that put the country before just partisanship. He, he chose his sort of bipartisanship quite carefully. I mean, he's been praised a lot for it in the last few days, and quite rightly, but he was rather selective about it, what he was bipartisan about, wasn't he? Well, you know, people shouldn't conflate bipartisan with not conservative. John was a conservative on a whole host of areas, fiscal responsibility, national defense, uh, the sanctity of life, a whole bunch of areas that, you know, John McCain was a rock-ribbed Arizona Republican conservative. This was not some squishy rhino. But John McCain also recognized that there were areas where unity of purpose in the national government was important. And it recognized there were areas of policy that a unified or, or, a, or a bipartisan nature of the discussion was going to be helpful to the people of this country and helpful to the nation as a whole. And so, but yes, he did, he did pick and choose where he was going to be bipartisan. And the, the sense that you have to have a squishy middle position on everything was clearly not where John was at. And where would you see that as being particularly valuable? I mean, what would we miss about that? Well, I think there were times when John argued very strenuously for things like the surge in Iraq and built, a, built some bipartisan support for that, which it turns out was a difficult lift for him. And he, you know, he said one time, I'd rather lose an election than lose a war. And so there were a number of areas where John would focus on trying to bring people together because, look, the Senate, 
you know, there are 10 super hard Trump style conservatives and there are 10 flaming, bring the revolution, red beret wearing socialists, let's say. But John was always trying to get to the other 80 people, the vast bulk of the Senate, the vast bulk of where American opinion usually is. The foreign policy and security sort of policy positions that John McCain represented when looked at from today, they, they, they split quite an important difference, didn't they, in that he was very hawkish. He was always hawkish on interventions. Many liberals who were praising him this week would have opposed him on that, uh, at least in the US context of liberals. Do you feel that he kind of parted company with that worldview, particularly with the line that he drew about the use of torture? Or Well, uh, I think that is one of the most fraught elements of this discussion about John's foreign policy legacy. And there were people inside the administration that were very unhappy that John spoke as clearly as he did on that. Um, but I will tell you, I, I, talking to, to military leaders at the time, um, and, and, and in fact, I saw him the other day and he reiterated, we had a conversation from years ago and, and reiterated it the other day with General Petraeus that, you know, John's moral standing on this meant something to the troops. He had been through something that is, was uh, literally now almost unimaginable because no American has been in that position for, for a very, very long time. So he had a moral capital on that. I don't think that, that even when there was disagreements about John's legacy on that, that there was any sort of you know, animus. I think people understood where he was coming from. The former Secretary of State and Democrat John Kerry remembers a moment when he and John McCain came together for a common aim. John Kerry reads an excerpt from his latest book, Every Day is Extra, about a late February evening in 1991. John McCain and I sat somewhat stiffly opposite each other on the Boeing 757, heading to Kuwait City immediately after its liberation in Operation Desert Storm. And so it was that two Vietnam veterans who had lived very different stories regarding the same war found themselves face to face on a long flight. As the night wore on, neither John nor I had fallen asleep. I began to ask John about flying his family's long and distinguished military history, and then finally, Vietnam itself and being a POW. What became obvious to both of us in this meandering but wonderful and memorable conversation was a shared sense that the divisiveness of the war was still with us as it was with the country, and it needed to be purged. The plane droned on, flying east. The cabin was darkened. Most senators were sleeping, we agreed right then and there to find ways to work together to bring peace to Vietnam and America. In our new friendship and in the work we did, we were ending the war about the war. If a protester and a prisoner of war can find common ground on the most divisive of issues, finding common ground on almost anything else didn't seem so hard after all. John Kerry reading from his latest book, and Madeleine Albright, Another former Secretary of State praises McCain's patriotism, too. I think Senator McCain's greatest service to America was his dedication to the service to America and understanding that we are a country made up of diverse peoples who need to be respected, who are actually encouraged to disagree with each other and then compromise, and to do it not in a rigid, bossy way, but to 
really um, enjoy the whole aspect of talking about democracy and disagreeing with people and and being a jovial person and a serious person. He was a really a remarkable combination of characteristics. I think that John McCain was one of the most patriotic people I ever met. And he was able to have proven his patriotism in a way that most of us have not had to. And he said about his incarceration in Vietnam in the Hanoi Hilton when he came out that it just made him love his country even more. He was, I think, somebody that proved his patriotism in his military service to our country and in his political service to our country in an unparalleled way. And he needs to always be remembered as a great American patriot. Madeleine Albright. At several times in his life, John McCain returned to visit the site of what American soldiers nicknamed the Hanoi Hilton, the grim prison where he was detained in the Vietnam War. On the final visit, he was accompanied by Senator John Barrasso, a Republican from Wyoming. Last year, Memorial Day, the end of May 2017, I went with John McCain as well as Chris Coons, a senator from Delaware, so it was bipartisan, to Vietnam. It was John's final trip to Vietnam, and we went to the lake where he was shot down and from where he was taken from the plane with his arms broken and his knee broken as well, and then to the prisoner of war camp where he spent five and a half years. This was not his first trip back to that prison, but it was his last. And to see the cell where he was kept and where the beatings occurred and the torture for five and a half years, the cell seemed so very small. It was too small to be able to lay and sleep comfortably, too small to stand up. And if you were then allowed out, you were still in a hallway that was dark. So to sustain what he did, I don't know how many could have survived it, but he did. And he actually came home stronger as a result, stronger resolve, so that in the in the Senate, he was not somebody that was going to be pushed one way or another. When he was committed and decided on something, that was it. People wanted to hear his advice, and they knew he would give it to him straight. He, you know, when he ran for president, he had the straight talk express. At one point, we used to refer to him as Hurricane McCain. He was so forceful in the positions that he was putting out. Our obituaries editor wrote that every inch of John McCain's body shouted endurance, and that toughness was still in evidence when Senator Barrasso went to see John McCain and his wife Cindy this Easter. We talked about the past, talked about the future, talked about his hopes, talked about, as he described, his many failures and and areas where he uh, wished he could do it over, said you have to live with your life, and he was really a man who I think left this world so very proud of his country, so very proud of his service, and so very optimistic about the future to come. The late senator's body is lying in state. His aide, Rick Davis, joked only John McCain could rig a big birthday celebration for himself like this. His funeral will be on Sunday. President George W. Bush and President Obama will give eulogies, and Renee Fleming will sing Danny Boy. But President Trump won't be attending. I'm Anne McElvoy, remembering the man whose bravery touched America. 
And if you'd like to hear that interview in full, you can find it at radio.economist.com. In London, this is The Economist. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'm a big fan of The Economist. And uh, please remember the words of Chairman Mao, who said, it's always darkest before it's totally black. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.